0: Father God, I thank you that this is a day the Lord has made, and we know this because Liverpool will beat Man City in the Carling Cup later, in Jesus' name. Uh, no, yeah. Father, we just thank you for everyone here, Lord. Uh, we get to come together, we get to meet with you. Um, Father, today, as we finish this two-week series of Straight Out of Egypt, may we come straight out of whatever Egypt we are experiencing now, and may we celebrate the Egypts that you have set us free from in the past, Lord, in yeah. Jesus' name. Amen. So, what Egypt represents? So Egypt, um, depending on what language um, you speak, means a number of different things. But we're going to start come from the one standpoint, which is basically what it would mean from a, a scriptural one when we look at kind of the Hebrew. So the Hebrew word for Egypt basically means um, bondage or slavery. <laughs> it's literally what it means. So most of the times when you see Egypt mentioned throughout the whole of the Old Testament, it's generally in a negative sense. Now, Egypt as a country appears in the Bible in only two scenarios repeated again and again and again. You either find Egypt as a place of slavery or you find it as a place of refuge. So if we look at it this way, for Joseph, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, which ended up being in Egypt. Then while he's in Egypt, it ends up being refuge for his family when they come and join him in Egypt after he's made his way up the ladder to the second most important man in the nation then they settle there for refuge and they build their family but their kids end up in slavery and then assyria much later down the line murks israel and loads of the people of israel run to egypt for refuge and also When we look at the story, when we look at the Jesus story, what happens with him is there is this moment where Herod rips off what Pharaoh did with Israel, where he killed a whole generation of young boys. In the Jesus story, um, the wise men leave, they don't go back to Pharaoh, they don't tell him where he can come and worship, where he really wants to come and just kill this baby boy. So Herod ends up doing the same thing trying to kill a generation of young boys. So Joseph and Mary get warned by God in a dream and they flee to Egypt where they find refuge. So throughout the whole of the scriptures, you find this theme reoccurring. But actually, you don't even have to go very far from the original story of deliverance to find people wanting to turn back to Egypt so they're set free, they're celebrating, they write new songs, new bars, new hits and they all have this huge feast together, this amazing time partying when they're free, celebrating how great this is but then a few days into that freedom or however long a period of time we find them moaning about things, they're like where's the bread coming from, there's no bread, let's go back to Egypt, water's not readily available today, Ah, let's go back to Egypt. When ever anything goes wrong for them as they're building a new civilization, let's go back to Egypt. Even when they come on the hinges of what they believe to be a land that God has promised for them, that he's going to give to them, they're there on the edge and they're like, let's go back to Egypt. They hear a few reports saying the guy's a hench, like we're not going to take this land, let's quit. The people are like, let's go back to Egypt again and again and again. One of the things you will experience in your life is that no matter what has happened to you, if there's an area where you've experienced freedom and liberty, when something tough happens, you wanna go back to it. So if you have like an alcohol addiction, when you have an alcohol addiction and you get free from alcohol, and then things get tough in your life, the bottle is calling you louder than it ever has. If you have a a weed addiction, if you have a, a pornography addiction, if you have whatever issue you face, If you have a relationship that you've come out of and you're free from that and it feels great to be free from it but then things get tough, all of a sudden you want to go back to it. Even if it's an abusive relationship, you want to go back to it. You want to go back to Egypt. And so when we look at this story, we're talking about something that's thousands of years ago in a totally different place but actually we're still talking about me and you because as soon as you're free from something and things get tough in your life and situations start pressing, you want to go back to what held you before. So when we look at this, we we find that actually sometimes we can find comfort in the slavery that we we knew before. Sometimes we find comfort in the place that held us captive. Just because we're familiar with it, we end up wanting to return to it again and again and again. Now in the Israel story, they've been in slavery for a long time Um, We know that from the point of the end of the Joseph story to the Exodus story, you've got probably 400 400 years. How much of that period was slavery, we don't know. There were different types of slavery. So when Joseph went into slavery in Egypt, we're talking about a type of slavery which wouldn't have been similar to the transatlantic slave trade it would have been, um, in some ways, apart from his story where his brothers have sold him into slavery, which is traumatic and horrible, for a number of people, entering into slavery would have been something beneficial to you. So, say your whole world has come crumbling apart, you can't provide, becoming a slave in Egypt wouldn't have been necessarily a bad thing. It would have given you opportunity, you weren't trapped in a system you couldn't get out of, like the, um, the caste system in India, where uh, once you become a slave, um, the interest surmount to the point where you'll never be free and your kids will never be free and you'll be forever trapped in this system. It's not that kind of a system. Um, You can get out of it, you still have rights, you still can't be mistreated in certain ways. So Egypt and its slaves system, at the point when we talk about Joseph, is actually very different from what you experience in the transatlantic slave trade or in the caste system in India. And it's also very different to what the children of Israel will experience later on, because when they're in slavery, this is a point where Pharaoh has looked, he's seen, he's forgotten who Joseph is, he's forgotten the story, it says in, e- in, in the beginning of Exodus, he's forgotten who Joseph was, he's forgotten the fact that these people are there because they saved their lives, because they saved them as a people. And so, because of that, he just sees them as an opportunistic moment where we can enslave an ethnicity and we can build empire off their backs. Now when we talk about that, we once again feel like we're talking about a different point in history and that we're not talking about today. But actually we are, because if we look at every great civilization, there isn't a great civilization that has not been built off the backs of others. It just doesn't exist. There's always a group of people that enjoy those riches off of someone else. And even if we're not gonna talk about empire, and if we're not gonna talk about the Romans, if we're not gonna talk about the British Empire, we're not gonna talk about the Egyptians, um, or we're not gonna talk about any other sort of empire in that sense, if we talk about today, it hasn't really changed because you can, you can conquer in a number of different ways. So the British Empire, on a number of levels, invaded places and took them over um, by force, but also with India, um, it wasn't so much the case there was fighting but ultimately India was um, taken over through financial systems um, ultimately so it was kind of um, became subtly and slyly taken over by by Britain so it's, it's not always the same kind of monopoly that could be used and then if we look at today's world and the landscape around us we can look at China and China has its interest in Africa we can look at America um, China has in, in, in Zimbabwe um, come in and taken over vast majority of mineral rights by saying well you have these needs for roads and infrastructure, we'll build the roads and infrastructure, but we want rights to these minerals and these minerals and so they have their own airports and they ship minerals straight out, straight out of Zimbabwe. And they're just just taking it, they're mining it and taking it, and in return they're getting these short-term infrastructures like roads, which we all know wear out pretty quickly, and such (coughs) things, but for long-term mineral rights. And so when we look at the world today, actually what we're talking about here um, is happening all around us, where if we look at this country, we can see it in our tax system, we can see that we will all be taxed said amount for being employees, If we start our own businesses, we'll be taxed said amount, but if you're a large organization like Google, you can tell the government what tax you want to pay. Um, So if you want to pay 5%, apparently that's acceptable as long as you take the chance of the exchequer to the Super Bowl and give him VIP treatment. Apparently then you can pay 5%. But if it's me and you, we'll pay the tax bracket we're in and that's it. You'd have no say about it because I can guarantee you won't get the chance to wine and dine the chance of the exchequer like the Google executives do. So all different kinds of levels of injustice and, and things that are happening all around us. Now with Egypt, they were building themselves at first, at their own expense, but then you see there's this huge group of people in your backyard and you realise you can get ahead off of their backs. And so they put these people in suffering, in, in slavery and they're suffering and they're being pushed down and they're being held down. And um, I think one of the important things for us in the world we live in today, we see the global village and we need to see that people are, are not to be identified with on the grounds of race and nationality. But we need to see each other more and more as the global village we need to see that god made man in his image and that people are of the equal value to us regardless of whether we identify on race whether we identify on on city Um, today i'm going to be very tribal i'm supporting liverpool i'm not backing man city i will not be happy if they win but ultimately speaking we need to get out of a tribal mentality we need to see bigger than our own kind bigger than our own nationality bigger than our own borders Because that is what it means when we look at the kingdom of God, we see something that transcends anything else. As we looked at last week, we finished the service off saying that he has talked about calling a people to himself of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every race, calling them to himself. And that is a beautiful, powerful gospel. So when we get into chapter twelve, we're at the latter of Exodus. We're at the latter stage of this issue where there's been a struggle. a people are held down in slavery. God has heard their cry, and um, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, "This month shall be for you the beginning of the months." So there are people in slavery. Maybe they like um, institutionalized in prison. You lose track of time. Here we go, this is, this is it. This is the moment where we begin. This is the beginning of the months for you. This is where your calendar will start because it's all around this moment, this new beginning. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each um, can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male a year old you will take it from the sheep or from the goats you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight then they shall take some of the blood put it on the doorposts and the lintels of the houses in which they eat they shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it do not eat of it raw or boiled in water but roasted its head with its legs and in its inner parts you shall put none of it to remain until the morning anything that remains until the morning you shall burn in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand and you shall eat it in haste it is the lord's passover for i will pass through the land of egypt that night and i will strike the firstborn of all in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day um, and you shall keep it as a feast um, to the Lord throughout your generations, as, this, as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Um, on the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened until the first or seventh day, the person shall be cut off from Israel. So they have these strict, strict rules, and he lists and he goes through it. But ultimately they're to have this meal, and they're to have this meal ready to go. They need to be prepared to leave. I think sometimes when we come to God about our situations, we come to God with a request for something to change. We come for a request for ourselves to be set free from a scenario. But if I'm honest, most of the time we come to him, we miss out this one key thing. We come to him asking to be free from something, but actually we don't, after that request, prepare ourselves to leave. We actually stay in that place. And actually what this story is about, when we talk about straight out of Compton, we talk about straight out of Egypt, you've got to be ready to leave. You can't stay with the past baggage, you can't stay in that environment. You've got to be ready, like God, I need you to deliver me from this situation. God, like in my finances, I'm I'm a slave right now, I'm held down. I need to be ready to leave, Lord. I'm believing you to change this situation, I need to be ready to leave. I can say today, this week. Just yesterday, my credit card's zero. It's gone. There's nothing on it. Because I came to him and I was like, Lord, I need to get out of this bondage. I need to get out of this situation. I don't want to be in this slavery anymore. But I came ready to leave. I didn't just pray that prayer and carry on spending on the credit card. I didn't pray that prayer and carry on like, not cutting it down not watching it strictly like that was a bondage for me and that was holding me in slavery and not keeping me free because my money was being tied up in paying off not just the debt but the interest i didn't want that baggage anymore but i didn't come to him like lord set me free from this and then not come with my shoes my sandals my coat i was ready to dust i don't want to be in this place anymore i'm done with it before, I'd prayed about my finances and I'd been in attitude of just leaving it to him, not focusing on it, not committing, not surrendering it to him. I didn't think in that space of time that I managed to get free of this, I'd be able to get free of this. A year ago, there was a lot of money on that, a lot of money, and I kept on procrastinating because I didn't feel like there was a way out. And you know what? There's been different times in my life where there's been different situations, different bondages different circumstances but I use this one not because I think money's the be all and end all I use this one because yesterday I left Egypt and I've I've got my cloak on ready right now man I've got my cape I'm ready I'm dusting, man I ain't going back that's me that's me done right there and then I'm not going back to that place I'm moving forward I want freedom I want liberty in that area of my life it was affecting me mentally physically emotionally not just financially now in different areas, different circumstances, there can be things that hold us back. And you know what? I believe God has the power to set you through the situation you're in, but you've got to get the cloak on, you've got to get the shoes, you can't be like ready to chill there. Like there's no, there's no Netflix and chill with our situations, you've got to move out from it, you've got to be ready to move, not to stay there anchored in a situation. It talks in Psalm 1 about three different types of people. Actually, you know what? I didn't intend to say Psalm 1 today, but I feel like we need to look at it because if we're not ready to dust like it doesn't matter like you can have passover but if you stay in egypt you're a mug you know what i'm saying like these people they get set free like like can you imagine you read the next pages and they took the lord seriously but they decided you know what i might as well chill here so blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits at the seat of scoffers now just that first verse that's all you need that first verse from someone bless the man who does not um walk in the council of the wicked So, like, first of all, you're walking. So you're going the right way, but then some waste man comes, gives you bad advice. You start to walk the wrong way. But then it gets worse than that, nor stands in the way of sinners. Well, I've gone the wrong way. I might as well stand here and chill for a bit. And then it goes past being a sinner, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Well, now I'm a cynic, and I'm comfortable in it, and I'm going to sit in it. It's very easy that once you've gone the wrong way, and find yourself in a position you don't want to be, to go from the bad counsel of someone and move from the bad counsel to a place where you start sinning and then you're standing in it and then at one point you become so cynical and messed up from your situation you're sitting in it and you're staying in a place you're never meant to be in and like you could be get getting set free but find out like you know what i'm just going to chill here for a bit like no you need to dust you need to move you can't be staying in that place anymore and so when we look at at Exodus 12, that's what we're seeing. You've got to be ready to go. So God is going to do a miracle for this people, but if they're not prepared the next day, they're not going to be walking into freedom because later in the story, we find out Pharaoh <coughs> changes his mind. Now imagine if you stayed there and you hadn't had your clothes ready to go and God's done that miracle for you, but then Pharaoh changed his mind and you end up staying in your slavery. That's a nonsense. you got to go. you got to move when he tells you to move. And sometimes I feel like we don't want to listen. Now in this story, what happens is... What I love about it is he says I'm gonna strike the firstborn of every house in that in Egypt the firstborn of every house. He's saying now if you want to be saved from that you need to identify with me and how you identify me is with this blood that they put on the lintels and he talks about a one-year-old male and it being without blemish. When we look at the story in the New Testament and the narrative of the Jesus story, we find a 30-year-old male, we find him going to the cross. We find John saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We find that Pilate looks at him and says, He's without blemish. I find no fault with this man, but I will whip him anyway. And then the blood comes from his back. And then we look at Christ at the time of Passover, the Passover Lamb. Like, If we look at this story, I'm going to suggest today that the, lambs, the blood of those lambs on those doorposts is absolutely meaningless and doesn't do anything. I'm going to say today that Einstein's theory of relativity is that time becomes more and more compressed until it becomes instantaneous. I'm going to say that the cross is outside of time and it's the blood of Jesus on those doorposts that's simplifying with that, that saves them. And ultimately, when God is very specific here, he says every firstborn son in the land of Egypt. What I love about that, what I love about that, is I love that if the children of Israel, if they hadn't been obedient to God and put trust in in this blood, if they hadn't gone in and done that, they would have ended up in the exact same faith. That he is outside of this larger, broader inclusivity that actually it's about who trusts in him, who puts their faith in him, and in what he's doing, they are the people that get set free. So it's not a case of he doesn't care about others, it's about us putting our trust in him. Now ultimately, I want to finish the series really looking at just one verse. One simple verse. Because this verse for me is a verse that I find find very offensive, but I find very powerful at the same time. It's in Isaiah 19 verse 25. Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Blessed be Egypt, my people. Did you know in the whole of the Bible, other than Israel, Egypt is the only other people that God has ever said, my people. Nowhere else. When we started this series looking at straight out of Egypt, we chose to look at this series because of one reason and one reason only. And that was because when we looked at it, when we started to hear our friend Jahazel who'd kind of taken a different angle, and then when we chatted about the J- Jahazel's issue, what he's saying, what's out there, we all started to say we had different friends that are bought into like Afrocentric beliefs, Egyptian beliefs, this Egyptian idea. And um, last week, I think we set the record straight, the Egyptian idea isn't even feasible. I mean, it was, it was just hilarious. Um... But ultimately, that worldview that we buy into, if we ever buy into that, what we're buying into those views for is there's only one logical reason. And it's, it's tribal. It's saying, Afrocentric view, if you're black, you're at the center of it all. If you're buying into the Egyptian view, it's the same thing. People are choosing Egypt now, not because of, of anything to do with any achievements, but the fact it was in Africa and the fact that they would have been black at that time. That's the only reason anyone's buying into this. Now, if you buy into it from that view, then what you're selling is you're selling a good news that is hinged completely on race, completely on one people and excludes everyone else. Egypt is called slavery because the idea is this, I can get ahead by enslaving you and gaining from you. And if we look throughout the whole of history, so many different people have been hurt by people getting ahead and enslaving other people. And what I love about this verse is even after that, I I see a different picture, I see a very big gospel where God calls Israel his people, the people of the struggle, the victims of this world. He calls out for healing and there is inheritance. But then he looks at those who are the slave masters. And what does he do? He calls them his people and he brings them out to himself for healing as well. The gospel of Jesus is bigger than any tribe, any tongue. It's bigger than race. It's bigger than whether you're a victim or an oppressor. It's bigger than whether you're the one who's been wronged or you're the person doing the wrong. He calls both to himself for healing. Because you know what? I look at all the years I've done youth work, I remember starting out, this kind of idea was offensive to me, this grace that can forgive these types of things. Because actually we could replace Egypt. Blessed be rapists, my people. We could replace it with that. Offensive. He's choosing those who are the oppressor, and he's calling them his people because he wants to bring healing to them as well. I spend more time I spend doing youth work is I don't just find myself spending time with the victims. I remember seeing this kid go mental, threatening abuse, so scary, intimidating this other kid who was literally shaking and quaking, and I mean he was close to wetting himself. He was so terrified of how this boy came to him, and then. The more I sat with the boy that did it and I chatted to him more and more and more, I started to hear victim more and more and more and I realised he'd experienced something so bad and so wrong to him, he never wanted it to happen to him again and the only way he felt he could guarantee it was by becoming that and mimicking that and the cycle continues. But actually God wants to break the cycle. He wants to call the victim to himself to bring healing that they don't turn into the monster that is the oppressor. And Jesus calls you... And he calls me and he calls us to be a people that whether we're victims or oppressors, he wants us to find healing and wholeness in him. And that is why he is calling Israel straight out of Egypt. And he's calling Egypt straight out of Egypt. He wants everyone out of Egypt, the victim and the oppressor. He brings healing. He transforms both. I'm going to pray for us and then that'll be it for this series. Father, I thank you that you call, you call both out of Egypt into your kingdom which transcends any borders, transcends any race, transcends gender, transcends class, transcends ability, transcends right and wrong. And you bring healing and you bring restoration and you bring equilibrium and balance, Lord. May you bring those things to our lives. For some of us, God, that have our own Egypt, our own slavery, our own bondage, Lord, we pray today that you would set us free, that we would set out free from those things. But Father, as we come and we pray about those situations that we are bound by, Father, we recognize that we have to do our part We need to put our shoes on, we need to get our cloak on, our staff on, and ready to leave, ready to dust, not to stay in this area. Father, may you bring healing to each person here that has been a victim of something in their past that haunts them, Father. May you bring healing that we do not become that which we have suffered. Father, for those of us here that have different things that we've done in our lives that are wrong, that hold us captive because we feel so guilty about them, we come to you today, your people Egypt, and we ask for that same healing that transcends any creed, any nation, any race, that transcends right and wrong, we are restored through what Jesus has achieved on the cross. May we receive that resurrection and that newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen.